The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Injuries, injuries, and more injuries. That is the theme of the 2021 fantasy baseball season. Welcome into fantasy baseball today on Tuesday, June 15th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. And Scott, I went to the park earlier today. I was throwing around the baseball a little bit with my brother-in-law, and I, I think I've got to take it easy. Next thing you know, I'm going to be on the I.L. <laughs> yeah. No, if we start going down there, there's definitely problems, for sure. Big problems. Uh, as you may know by now, if you are listening or watching this podcast, Shane Bieber and Tyler Glass now got hurt on Monday, among many others that got hurt. So we're going to talk about all the injuries right here at the top. We could have suspensions in the near future for foreign substances, according to Jeff Pass, and we'll talk about that. Recap Monday's action, some team name Tuesday, and I asked for some tough questions from our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group, and hopefully we get to those by the end of the podcast because there is a lot to talk about. Scott, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in with injuries to two of the game's best starting pitchers. Shane Bieber went to the IL with a right shoulder strain. He will not throw for two weeks and will be reevaluated afterwards. I think this might be the reason for some of his struggles so far this season, right? So uh, wow. talk about Shane Bieber. And then uh, Tyler Glass now was removed from Monday's start with right elbow inflammation. And if you remember, Glass now was limited to 12 starts back in 2019 due to a forearm injury. So we'll start with Bieber, Scott. Um, there's not really much that we can add. We're not doctors, but it seems like I would be surprised if we see him before the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, the All-Star break's only a month away, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that would be kind of surprising uh, because he's not throwing for at least two weeks. At which point they'll reevaluate him, and maybe at that point he starts throwing again. It's you know, what what was the injury classified as? Shoulder soreness, shoulder inflammation, something very vague that shoulder really gives you strain. Shoulder strain. Okay, yeah. I mean it really doesn't give you much indication as to the severity, so it it may not be that big of a deal. But you know, it's it's going to be an absence of multiple weeks. So. From your first round pick, from what's probably still your number one pitcher, even though he has been a little underwhelming lately. Yeah, that's that's a big loss. That's a big loss. Now you mentioned maybe it explains some of his struggles, which 
relative to what we saw from Bieber in April, where he was setting strikeout records, you know, five of his first six starts this year were double digit strikeout efforts, and then he's only had one since. So, you know, relative to that, I guess you call it struggling, though obviously you still what he was providing in May and June, you'd still want in your lineup. Yeah, I don't know. And it, it it is weird that uh that he went from being that dominant that first month to just kind of good <laughs> after that. Right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh I don't know how far the the shoulder issue dates back, how long he was pitching through it. These are all things I wonder about, but there's really nothing to do at this point other than wait and see what comes next with Shane Bieber. Yeah, and it's very likely that you could have had Bieber and Glass now on the same fantasy team because Glass uh, Bieber was being drafted, you know, early now late first, early second round most of the time. If you played in a points league, it was probably early first round. Tyler Glass now third, fourth round, so readily available uh, after Shane Bieber. So if you have these two on your team, you're gonna have to make some moves, uh, some ad drops. I do have some starting pitchers we'll talk about here, but yeah. uh, Glass so now. What- so, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I drafted Beaver in like, I don't know, a bunch of leagues, right? Yeah. So I had to go through, fortunately, there was enough enough time before the lineup lock that I could remove him from my lineup, right? I say fortunately, but in one of the leagues, Tout Wars actually, my only other choice was Dylan Bundy. And oh. I hastily <laughs> decided that Dylan Bundy would be better than nothing, Right. Surely he'd be better than nothing. I, I can say he wasn't better than nothing against the athletics. <laughs> There's a second start coming up, but I don't know if that's something I should be looking forward to. Added, I added my own insult to injury there by starting Bundy in place of nothing. The final line for Dylan Bundy on Monday, two and a third, five hits, seven earned runs. The ERA is up to 6.98. He is still somehow 66% rostered. Dylan Bundy... He gone, he gone, and he gone, and he gone. He gone. You can officially drop Dylan Bundy if you have not to this point. He is completely broken this season. Uh, Just getting back to Tyler Glass now, Scott. I mean, this is part of the risk with him. I mean, he was going so deep into his starts, something we have never seen him do before, and uh, this comes out of nowhere. Obviously, right elbow inflammation. There could be some tie-in back to that forearm injury he had back in 2019, obviously all related to his pitching arm. So uh, we don't have much here yet on Tyler Glass now, but this was always part of the risk that comes with drafting him based on what happened to him back in 2019. Yeah, so inflammation, I, I guess this is what I was thinking of. That's that's about as vague as it gets in yeah. terms of describing an injury. And my thinking is it's probably not a big deal. Um you know, I, I haven't heard anything about maybe him going in for an MRI or whatever. I haven't, I haven't heard anything. His velocity was good in this start. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those starts where it's like, oh, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. And then he gets pulled. You know, it was just he got pulled earlier than you expect and found out afterward. Oh, inflammation in that way. Like that could be a very, very minor thing. So definitely don't want to overreact, but it's not what you want to see and. The the concern for Glass now all along is going to be what happens when when the innings start reaching a point that that he's not familiar with because it's I think it was 2017 the last time he went even 130 innings in a season 
And then obviously he threw hardly any last year because nobody threw many last year. So a lot of questions as to how uh, as to how well Glassnow is going to hold up. And uh, this is the first indication that there might be some trouble. But again, we we need to know we need to find out more before we have a big reaction to it. Yeah, that was 2017, Scott, for Tyler Glassnow when he threw it looks like 155 and a third innings for the. Pirates at the time. This season, he was already up to 88, and he was one of the league leaders, consistently going deep into his starts. And look, we said this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think it was Chris who said it in particular. This is probably the hardest season of fantasy baseball ever because given all of the environmental changes between the baseball and the foreign substances and all the ups and downs, only from that perspective... And then on top of that, you have all these injuries that are taking place. And we knew it was going to be yeah. a weird season. We talked about this a lot in preseason, spring training, how, about how coming off a shortened year, there were going to be things that happened that we have never seen before. And this level of players getting hurt, I think obviously falls under that category. So the last time I looked into it, I think it was IL placements were up 30%. Uh, this season compared to the same point in back in 2019, I would assume that that has only gone up with as many players are currently going on the IL. So Scott, help me rank a few of these starting pitchers who might be available in people's fantasy leagues. And I'm going to throw two of the names in there that pitched on Monday and they pitched very well. Austin Gomber, eight shutout against the San Diego Padres at home in Coors Field. Vladimir Gutierrez, who turned in a quality start against the Milwaukee Brewers, six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. But they join a group of Tarek Skubal, Mike Miner, Tucker Davidson, and Logan Gilbert. Scott, so you don't have to rank them. Give me your top three of that group. Gomber, Skubal, Miner, Tucker Davidson, Logan Gilbert, Vladimir Gutierrez. Okay. I would say my top three are Tarek Skubal, Logan Gilbert, and... Mm, I think I'm going to lean Miner over Gomper just because he's, he's been fine at home so far. As you mentioned, this was a, this was a home start um, and he went eight shutout innings. He has actually issued just four walks over his past nine starts. Gomber has, but he is, he'd be defying Rockies history in an almost to an almost universal degree. If that even makes sense. By having a good season at Coors Field all year long, so I I still say the odds are against Gomber, even though I like what he's doing on an individual level. That's just really difficult hurdle to overcome. So I would say he's fourth on this list, and go with Scooble, Gilbert, and Miner ahead of him. I think I might put Gilbert number one on this list, but there's a lot to like about what Scooble has done, and I would take Gomber ahead of Mike Miner. I hear what you're saying, Scott. There's Look, it's scary. Every Anytime we have a Rockies pitcher emerge, it doesn't really happen that often anyway. Uh, but yeah, last nine starts, 2.20 ERA with 52 strikeouts to just four walks, as you mentioned, over 53 and a third innings pitched for Austin Gomber. He's 74% rostered, so still might be out there in some shallower leagues. I think a lot of people added him for the two starts this week, and you have been rewarded thus far if you had him in your lineup. Uh, Gutierrez, I just want to touch on a little bit more. I agree that he would not, he doesn't rank in the top three or four on this list, but I did really like what I saw. I was watching a lot of that start, and he struggled early on, really settled down, retired 13 of the final 14 batters. 
that he faced. He is 42% rostered. Again, the name there, Vladimir Gutierrez. And if you are in deeper leagues, each of Patrick Sandoval, Tony Santian, who is the prospect for the Reds, who made his debut on Sunday, and Colby Allard are rostered in fewer than 15% of CBS League. Scott, before we... We haven't even gotten to our Omar Goodness Gracious player yet, but we do have to talk about this update that we received about the foreign substance situation. This comes according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, and he wrote, MLB is expected to announce on Tuesday that it will suspend players caught with any foreign substance for 10 days with pay. That includes the widely used sunscreen and rosin combination to spider tech. This will officially begin next Monday, June 21st. Well, how might this affect things? Since June 3rd, Jeff Passan pointed out the league-wide batting average has jumped to 247. That is up from 236, which is what it was uh, to that point in the season. So from April 1st to June 2nd, 236 batting average from June 3rd on, 247. We expected batting average to improve throughout the summer months, Babbitt, so on and so forth. But that's a pretty big jump, 11 points in batting average. So I don't know if it's going to get much better than that, but offense is welcome at this point. And obviously pitching has declined as a result from April 1st through June 2nd. League-wide ERA 4.06 with a 1.27 whip. From June 3rd on, a 4.38 ERA with a 1.30 whip. So Scott, what is your reaction to this update on foreign substances and the fact that it looks like offense is coming here in fantasy baseball. Yeah, there are a lot of factors working in offense's favor, which is why I've been saying for the past several days that I I really don't feel comfortable trading pitching right now. Even if it seemed like you had a lot, it could dwindle quickly. Uh, I, I think attrition is going to become a problem, as we saw with Bieber and Glass now today. It, it's always a problem over a course of a baseball season, but it will be more than ever this year just because there aren't these arms got so little work last year and they're being pushed pretty hard this year, considering every single arm in the league, you know, again, the hardest fantasy baseball season ever. So between that, between the natural effect of offense going up in the summer months uh, and and spin rates going down now because of the enforcement of this rule, uh, offense, it it could really shift the balance of power in a pretty dramatic way. I mean, if the league batting average remains 247 or better from this point forward, then that's a very different environment than what we were working with. Certainly in April. April was ridiculous, but also May. Mm-hmm. That's something to keep an eye on. It's kind of early to say. It's only been, well, it's been like, what, two weeks? I mean, it may not be that early to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's still a small sample size. That's ultimately what we're dealing with here. Well, so. it's it's a small span of time, but a lot of at-bats. Yep, that is fair. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. That's definitely something to consider, though. As for the 10-game suspension with pay, I mean, that's historically what the suspension has been for a player, for a pitcher getting caught used foreign substances. We haven't seen many pitchers get caught using foreign substances. They, It was allowed to slide for a very long time. I mean, I, I remember Michael Pineda with the the pine tar on his neck, right? But that that's seven years ago, I think, when that happened. And obviously a really blatant case. So he got suspended 10 games for that, and we haven't seen a lot of that otherwise. The question is, is it enough of a deterrent 
for the pitchers who really benefit from having that sticky stuff? Are they, you know, if if they can hide it better than Michael Pineda did, uh, for example, seven years ago, <laughs> is it going to be worth it to them to continue doing it with that penalty? And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would guess for a lot of them it would be, especially since you're still going to get paid. What What's going to be interesting is is what kind of stigma gets attached to getting busted for this, you know, because obviously the, the PED stuff, the stigma has been enormous, you yeah. know? And I, I think enough of it, like you're, you're, you're allowed to play again, but you, you kind of, that hangs over you for the rest of your career. And if you have a hall of fame case, you know, it's really going to impede your chances of getting in the hall of fame. It's, it's, it's a major stigma, the PED thing. I don't know if the stigma for this is going to be as great. I suspect not, but I don't know. For some reason in baseball, these things seem to get blown out of proportion relative to other sports, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, in my there's opinion, kind of a, a sanctimony among the fans and the media in baseball that doesn't exist in other sports. And, and so maybe maybe that'll be a deterrent even more than a suspension. I assume, Scott, people are going to want me to ask you, oh, does this mean that you want to try and trade away your Garrett Cole or your Trevor Bauer? But my follow up to that would be, what are you going to get? I mean, if we're going to see pitching as a whole take a step back, I would assume that foreign substances or not, I don't know if this is a fair thing to assume, but the elite starting pitchers, they're going to further separate themselves rest of season, Scott, versus that mid-tier of pitchers that has overperformed to an extreme level to this point in the season. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, it's... I I suspect the gap between... The gap at starting pitcher will be... Will grow, like you said. The gap at starting pitcher... I don't know if it'll be as extreme as 2019, but I, I think that's on the table. So, you know, Bauer is the one specific pitcher that I have the most concerns about because, you know, it was, it was really clear what he was doing and when. I don't think he automatically becomes this kind of average or slightly above average pitcher because, I mean, you look what he did in 2018 for Cleveland still. In, in my opinion, he was the best pitcher in the American League that year, and if he didn't get hurt late in the year, he probably would have won the Cy Young. That was the year Snell won. So, you know, there's still an out. There's still a very high end outcome for Bauer, even if uh, even if he loses something by no longer using those substances. And um, I'd be reluctant to sell low on him. But like, if you could trade Bauer for like I don't know, like a Lucas Giolito or something like that, that's something I'd have to consider at this point. Yeah, it's just like just a just you know kind of a slight downgrade from Bauer. Yeah, but the thing is, we've talked about that before, and it's kind of hard to pull those kind of trades off because people start mm-hmm. thinking, well, you know, why are you trying to make this kind of trade? And if anyone's actually following baseball, they're going to know that something could happen to Trevor Bauer moving forward. Not that it's definitely going to happen, but uh, yeah, you can shop him, and I think if you can get full value, sure, it's something that you could look into doing, but don't just sell low on Trevor Bauer based on what is happening right now in baseball with these foreign substances. And for anyone who follows me on Twitter, shameless plug here at Roto underscore Frank. Uh, I recently made my Twitter picture Trevor Bauer. 
over my body uh, with his face. So <laughs> I've been kind of a bad luck charm for anyone that I have put as my picture, Scott. I had Jared Kelnick before this. That didn't work out. Corey Kluber, I put up with the Terminator eyes after he threw a no-hitter. We know how that ended. He's on the IL for at least the next month or so. John Carlos Stanton, same thing happened. Guy was red hot, goes on the IL. So, uh, Scott, if there's anyone that you want to slow down, just <laughs> let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll put them as my Twitter picture. All right. I'll think about that. Keep Get that back to you. Keep that in your mind. Uh, all right. Oh, my goodness. We're only 20 minutes in, but there was a lot to talk about, so let's do it. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Let's talk about some of Monday's action. Who would you like to highlight first? I would like to highlight Jonathan India, who we've talked about a little bit recently, but he had a great game on Monday night. He pretty much filled up the box score, three hits, a double, a stolen base, which you know have, have been a part of his contribution, stolen bases. He had a walk, so he was on base four times. And as I've said about Jonathan India a few times, just later in the show, <laughs> most of the time he's come up, He's been really good since mid-May. So entering tonight, his past 27 games, Jonathan India hit at 287 with four home runs, three steals, an 881 OPS, reached base at a 410 clip. Wow. He's, you know, obviously good on base skills. He did show that throughout the minor his minor league career. He's back batting leadoff for the Reds. There's enough power, enough speed there that... I think he's going to be a useful player in all formats if if he can continue this pace. And, you know, most of the bad numbers came in April where pretty much every header was bad, right? Or at least the vast majority of them. So maybe this is Jonathan India's truer form. It's what he was showing in spring training. It's what we were hoping for from him, and now he's delivering on it. Scott, how would you rank these potential second base ads? Jonathan India... Josh Rojas, who the batting average has slowed down tremendously. He's still hitting for power, but his last 15 games, a 148 batting average. And Brendan Rodgers. India, Rojas, Rodgers. How would you rank him? Yeah, I'm close to putting... I'm close to moving India ahead of Rojas, though. You know, we, we've seen Rojas go very cold before and turn things around. So I I don't want to bury him now. But I, I, I think it's very close between India and Rojas. I'll lean India right now. And then I'll have Rogers third. Rogers probably has the most upside of the three, but obviously has a lot to prove still. And he was out of the lineup today for the Rockies, so he still has a playing time issue to overcome as well. Yes, that <laughs> oh, he's an issue for our Colorado Rockies, but I think a lot to like about Jonathan India, and I think there's a lot to like about Joey Votto as well. So let's just talk about both of the Reds here at the top. And Votto went two for four with a home run and three RBI on Monday. He has three home runs in seven games since returning from the IL. He is 52% rostered. And I received two questions on Twitter earlier, Scott. Would you drop Reese Hoskins for Joey Votto? No, I want to drop Hoskins for him. I, I did drop Josh Bell for him. I don't know if that's notable. I was waiting to move on from Bell for a while and a number of leagues and Jonathan Joey Votto finally gave me that opportunity. I almost called him Jonathan Votto. So much <laughs> I have India, Jonathan India on the brain. Uh, well, that was the next question. Someone else asked me, would you drop Josh Bell for Votto? So you're cool with that one. I'm cool with that one. Oh, you know what? This is even more notable. I dropped Eric Hosmer 
for Joey Votto in one league. Oh, I saw that. I think that was in the podcast points league, right? It was, yeah. Hosmer is slugging under 400 now this season. He's clearly gone back to being old Eric Hosmer. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think Joey Votto brings more to the table at this stage of the game. He homered for the third time in seven games since returning from the fractured thumb. Remember, he had a very strong finish last year. I believe it was eight home runs in his final 28 games, something like that. And he talked about how he had kind of changed his approach to hit for more power because he realized he couldn't get away with selling out for contact and still have the home runs come at his age. So he figured it out last September. He talked about it this spring. Uh, The power's been there. The batting average is lagging, but the expected stats suggest he's been uh, underachieving in that regard. He hasn't... He deserves better than he's gotten. So I think Joey Votto could be a must-start player the rest of the way if things go right, certainly in points leagues, but maybe across the board. All right, some Cincinnati Reds there that you can add to your fantasy baseball team. And before we hit some more news and notes, injury-related, of course, it is U.S. Open Week, and the First Cut Golf Podcast has all your needs covered as the world's best golfers travel to Torrey Pines. They are on the scene in California all week to give you daily fantasy advice, the best picks, and props and round-by-round analysis. Listen to the First Cut wherever podcasts are found, or you can stream every episode on YouTube. News and notes from Monday. Max Scherzer's groin is improving, but he will not start on Wednesday this week. Matthew Boyd exited Monday start with left arm discomfort, and the last I saw, it sounds like he is likely bound for the IL. And if anybody is wondering about Tigers pitching prospect Matt Manning, he currently has an 8.07 ERA over seven starts at AAA. So I do not think Matt Manning will be an option. Both Rob Refsnyder and Michael Pineda went to the IL for the Twins. After another examination, the Angels believe Mike Trout is about one month away from a return. So that sounds like right after the All-Star break, we should get Mike Trout back. George Springer started a rehab assignment at AAA on Monday. Eloy Jimenez was cleared for baseball activities. He had surgery on his torn pec back in March. If all goes well, Eloy could be back by August. I think it's pretty hard to stash Eloy at this point, Scott, just because there's so many injuries going on right now. But what do you think about that possibility? I mean, it's encouraging because remember when he suffered the injury, it wasn't clear he was going to be back this year. And I mean, we've seen enough set back and not even really setbacks. We've seen enough injured play long-term injured players suffer new injuries that we shouldn't assume anything for Aloy Jimenez. I mean, frankly, it's been ridiculous between Luke Voigt and Carlos Carrasco and Mike Soroka. And I, I, that just Luis Severino most recently uh, can't assume anything, but uh, this is a very positive sign. I think I have not been that motivated to stash Jimenez up until this point. Now he becomes an attractive stash. I mean, at least up there with somebody like Carrasco, probably ahead of somebody like Soroka, if you want to make that move and are able to. Eloy Jimenez is currently 58% rostered on CBS, so he might be out there in some leagues. And speaking of Mike Soroka, the Braves are optimistic now that he could return in late August. He had a second procedure on his Achilles tendon, Back in May, of course, he tore his Achilles last August, and I think it was 
always pretty optimistic that he was going to be ready for the start of this season. So he had that setback. And even if he returns this year, I don't think he's really going to provide you much. IMO. Andrew Benintendi was placed on the IL with a right rib fracture. Edward Olivares was recalled for the Royals. Cody Bellinger will not return before Wednesday, and there's a chance that he goes back on the IL. Mike Moustakis will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. Luis Severino is scheduled to meet with the Yankees team doctors to receive further evaluation on his right groin. Steven Matz tested positive for COVID and will miss at least the next two weeks. We have a bunch of Mets updates. Michael Conforto is expected to start a rehab assignment by the end of this week. Jeff McNeil started his rehab on Sunday. Brendan Nimmo took batting practice and could begin rehab soon. Michael Fulmer was activated by the Tigers. Scott, if you had to guess, who gets the next save chance for the Tigers? My guess would be Cisnero. That would be my guess. But it could, could be Fulmer. Obviously, there hasn't been much consistency there. Um, I just think Jose Cisnero has been, really since about the start of May, He's he's been very effective and um, obviously is a more natural fit for a closer role than somebody like Michael Fulmer. But we'll see. Whenever the Tigers have a safe chance again, we will see. Yes. Uh, one injury update that I don't, think you had in here frank uh byron buxton did you see what's going on with him what's up with bucks the bucks so still residual soreness in that hip after after his rehab assignment so he hasn't been activated yet he's going to work out monday and tuesday then be reevaluated and uh they they still they, they think he'll probably be ready to go then but we've heard that before so yeah, um, I mean, he's locked. He's probably locked in for this week already for you, Buxton. But can't can't be totally sure he's back yet. And this is always the issue with him too. It's especially unfortunate because he finally looked like he was breaking out and becoming the player. You know, we all thought he had upside. Maybe not this much, but he looked great earlier in the season. So this is really unfortunate for Byron Buxton. Um, couple other new news items. Mitch Hanniger and Javier Baez remain out of their respective lineups on Monday. Javier Baez is expected back on Tuesday. Luis Arias was activated by the Twins. Kwang Hyun Kim is cleared to start Tuesday against the Marlins. Max Muncy's IL stint is expected to be the minimum 10 days. Uh, G-Man Choi was reinstated from the IL. Jonathan Scope returned to the lineup on Monday. And Brian Anderson was transferred to the 60-day IL by the Miami Marlins. A few other prospect updates. Red Sox, Jeter Downs had a double dong on Sunday. Jaron Duran added a home run himself. Those are two of their top prospects in the organization. Uh, June has not been kind to these two gentlemen. Vidal Brujan is batting just 200 with a 629 OPS this month. And Jesus Sanchez with the Marlins is batting just 239 with a 740 OPS. And Scott, why do the Rays love the last name Low so much? Low, Lau, I guess everyone pronounces it differently. But they have another outfield prospect named Josh Low, or Lau, who is batting 307 with nine home runs and six steals at AAA. OPS over a thousand too. So he's been awesome. He's one of their he's one of their brothers. I can't I can't remember which. I mean, this Josh. is this is becoming too much, Scott. Low, Lau. Yeah. Well, it, 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 the pronunciation would depend on whose brother he is, right? Let's see. He is... Ba, ba, ba. 
Well, that's weird, right? Because they, <laughs> he's a brother of Nate Lau, so they okay. traded him out of the organization. But Josh Lau, no. I guess, remains. Nate, Nate, Nate is low. Nate is not Lau. Oh God, I, Brandon I just, is Lau. I just completely, so Josh Lau. I just completely messed that up. How low can you go? How low can I go? Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add on Josh Lowe? No. <laughs> All right. Ask and you shall receive. I mentioned the Nationals pitching prospect, Cade Cavalli. He was their first-round pick in 2020. He had three straight double-digit strikeout performances in high A. I said, who knows? Maybe he'll get promoted to double A. Guess what happened on Monday? He got promoted to double A. I don't think. I'm pretty certain we're not going to see him at all this season, uh, but... Maybe by 2022, Cade Valley is a name that should be on your radar. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, I have a few more waiver wire names to talk about, some notable pitching performances. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, Scott. So let's just say you saw Dominic Smith on your waiver wire. What would your excitement level be? If I saw who now? Dominic Smith? Yeah. Good old Dom. Uh, My excitement level would be very low. (laughs) (laughs) Low or low? Ah. Okay, Dominic Smith went two for three with a walk and his fifth home run of the season on Monday. And in case you wanted to know what is going on with Dominic Smith this year, uh, his quality of contact is down across the board, which might explain his home run to fly ball ratio, which is more than cut in half this season compared to last. It is at 9% this year. Last season, it was 22%. The strikeouts are also up a little bit for Dom Smith. So I don't think that he's a must-add player by any means, but... When he gets hot, which we saw last year over a two-month span, he can carry fantasy teams. So uh, just keep that in mind if, if he starts to turn things on here. Patrick Wisdom basically has never slowed down. He just hit his ninth home run in his first 20 games here with the Chicago Cubs this season. Uh, so, Scott, if, I, if you were ranking Dom Smith, Patrick Wisdom, and Joey Votto just as first-base waiver wire ads, how would you rank that trio? Votto... And I, I think I'd go Smith ahead of Wisdom. 
It probably would depend on how shallow the league is. Shallower, I might, I might just go with the hotter hand there. Although I will say, you, you mentioned Wisdom hasn't really slowed down, he, and he is batting thir- three thirty three still. But six games prior to today's, he had gone just three for eighteen. So that's a one sixty seven batting average over the six games. Just six games, but I, I mean, he's obviously going to regress some. It's just a matter of if he continues to homer consistently enough to justify that lineup spot. So yeah, back to your original question. I'll say Votto, Smith, and Wisdom. Some other waiver wire decisions that you might have. Kyle Schwarber hit his fourth home run over the last three days for the Nationals. He is 75% rostered, so more of a shallow league ad. Uh, Over his last 30 games, Kyle Schwarber is batting 264 with 10 home runs. Scott, how would you rank Schwarber, Justin Upton, and Alex Kirilov, who also hit a home run on Monday? I would go Upton, then Kirilov, then Schwarber. All right, so no love there for... For Schwarbs. Well, maybe I just have a lot of love for Upton and Gearloff. That is definitely a I, fair possibility. I think Schwarber's pretty one-dimensional is yeah. the is the thing about him. So outside of Roto Leagues, um, where you're making you're trying to make up ground at home runs, don't see a lot of utility for him, but that's just me. Schwarber and Upton are actually pretty similar players, I guess, at this point in their career. They strike out quite a bit. They're leading off for their respective teams now. They both walk a good amount as well. So very, very similar players. But uh, Justin Upton has been even better than Kyle Schwarber recently. I I think he's better. All right. Some names that may be available in some deeper leagues. Scott, Trevor Larnick, who I feel like we talk about him quite a bit. He's still only 19% rostered on CBS. Uh, He had two more hits on Monday. He might have added more. Let's see what he's got. No, two for four with an RBI. And he is batting 276 overall in the season. But what I thought was awesome to see from a young player, he's batting 304 with a 925 OPS against lefties. Of course, he is a left-handed batter himself. And he was batting cleanup on Monday against Marco Gonzalez. So I really like that. The other two names I wanted to throw in here, Aristides Aquino. He was just activated off the 60-day IL with the Reds. He went one for four with his third home run of the season. He's 4% rostered. I don't know if he's only going to start against left-handed pitching. I guess that's a possibility. It's kind of crowded. And then Dan Vogelbach has started seven straight games for the Brewers. He has three home runs during that span. Hits the ball pretty hard. He's not, you know... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or anything like that. Nobody is, obviously. Uh, but Zan Vogelbach does walk a ton, and his park is great for left-handed power, Scott. So, uh, between- yeah, and he's coming. You know, he spent most of his major league career up to this point in Seattle, which isn't known as a favorable place to hit. I, I know one spring training, especially, he had a huge performance, and his minor league track record is great. I mean, he's late twenties now, so it's it's kind of old news what Vogelbach did in the minors, but. You know, um, last year after joining the Brewers in 19 games, he had 328 with four home runs and 987 OPS. And uh, now he's hot again playing regularly with with Keston here out of the picture. Vogelbach's basically taken over first base. So I added him I added him in my 2014 Dynasty League. I mean, that's so deep. that Why wouldn't you add him? But I, I added him in a 15-teamer as well where I needed some help. Uh, I think I prioritized like Bobby Bradley over him. So that's kind of the depth I'm talking about here. But mm-hmm. it's possible Vogelbach, Vogelbach's best as a major leaguer is still to come. All right. 
especially in Miller Park. I think, uh, well, it's not Miller Park now. I forgot what they changed the name to, but in Milwaukee, it's a great place to hit for left-handed power. Some notable pitching performances from Monday. We'll go down the line here. Alec Manoa at the Red Sox turned in a quality start. Pretty good one. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts with 11 swinging strikes on 93 pitches. He did throw a season-high 30 sliders. He had seven whiffs in particular on that pitch. And... The one thing I've noticed, Scott, is that his fly ball percentage is going to climb over 45% after the start, which is not a great recipe for Manoa's home park in Buffalo, which I guess could change to Toronto at some point. Yeah. Uh, What kind of... I'm not sure, actually, whether he was more... I mean, he made so few minor league starts, right? Yeah. Um, Whether he was more of a ground ball. So he was more of a fly ball guy in the minors, too. Yeah, something to keep in mind. I I wish the strikeouts were higher for Manoa. Um, The whiff rate, the strikeout rate, they've both been, I guess, a little above average. But, you know, not he he hasn't been so far this amazing bat misser like he was in every other situ- situation that we've seen him. So you combine that with a high fly ball rate in all likelihood, and there are, there are warning signs there for Manoa. That said, he's probably been the most effective <laughs> high-profile call-up so far, so don't want to bash the guy too much. It's the best we got. Uh, opposing but... <laughs> opposing Alec Manoa on Monday was Nathan Avaldi, who just got shelled his last time out against the Astros, and he's running into a team that just scored 18 runs. They hit eight home runs on Sunday, and he goes six and two-thirds shutout, four strikeouts, only eight swinging strikes, so not a great start by any means, but what I noticed is he changed up the pitch mix in this one, Scott, and he basically scrapped his curveball. He threw a season-high 18 splitters and 17 cutters, which tied a team high, so Maybe the the change in pitch mix helps Nathan Avaldi, but it's not like he got a ton of strikeouts here in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he might be somebody who benefits from just kind of mixing things up from start to start because he has a lot of weapons to work with now that he's developed two breaking balls, curveball and the slider over the past couple years. Um, but he's he's basically performed right in line with his XFIP. The one thing I will say is Avaldi, I feel like he's had good home run luck so far in that he's only given up three. So that's a little worrisome. But at the same time, looks like he's had bad Babbitt luck. So maybe those two will cancel each other out. Like I said, basically right in line with his XFIP so far. Alex Wood, he was up against the Diamondbacks. Much needed quality start. His first quality start since May 21st. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. Scott, anything you would like to add on Alex Wood? I'm relieved because I was really enjoying what he was doing when he was going well. But yeah, his last three starts had raised his ERA from 193 to 379. So that's rough. That's a rough three-start stretch. But... I mean, the overall track record for Alex Wood is still really good, and he has one of the highest ground ball rates in baseball this year. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think you'll be glad you held on to him. Kenta Maeda returned from the IL on Monday against the Mariners. Four innings, three hits, one run, three walks, 
seven strikeouts, had 12 swinging strikes on 76 pitches. Scott, what would you label this start? Encouraging? Meh? I would label it... I would label it more encouraging than not. It could have it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, the three walks. I mean, that's the most he's had in any start this year. And again, he didn't go that deep, which has been a problem for Maeda all year. But it was his first start back from injury. So, you know, and this start, it's to be expected. It was also kind of weird that he didn't throw his splitter at all. Remember, that's a pitch we've been fixating on with him because it hadn't appeared as effective this year as it was last year. And it had started to increase its effectiveness, you know, in, in terms of how many whiffs, what percentage, you know, what the whiff rate was looked like for it leading up to that IL stint. So it's it's weird that he went away from it in this start. But, you know, he got seven strikeouts in four innings, first start back from the IL. That's I'll, I'll take that as a positive sign. I wonder if all these pitches that they labeled change-up, Scott, are actually splitters, because I know sometimes the, the pitch tracking kind of gets... Messed up, but... All right, so what was the whiff rate on that changeup? It was... He had four whiffs on... He threw 24 of them. 44% okay. whiff rate. Okay. That would be good. If, if that was the splitter, that would be an encouraging sign in and of itself. Yeah, I'll have to go back and, and see how uh, Baseball Savant usually tracks his splitter, if they call it a changeup or a splitter. Um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have a changeup. So, yeah, you're probably right about that. That was that was probably the splitter. Uh, the last one I wanted to bring up here, Scott, Tony Gonsolin had another clunker. It's only his second start of the season, but against the Phillies, three and two-thirds, one run, three walks, so the control continues to be an issue. Did have five strikeouts. Building up, he got up to 81 pitches in this start, but all of a he sudden... building up and falling short of four innings. That's right. <laughs> that was what's happening in the minors, too. Well, we have pitchers emerging, right, on the waiver wire, so... Yeah. Would you drop Gonsolin for any of the names I brought up earlier? Gomber, Scooble, Miner, Davidson, Gilbert, Gutierrez? No, nah, I mean, Scooble might be kind of tempting, but I got to give him more than two starts. I got to give Gonsolin more than two starts. He's somebody I've loved for the past couple of years, and this is the clearest chance he has to, to break through as a full-time starter. Obviously clunky out of the gate here, the walks make you scratch your head. But if there's any organization that's going to straighten them out, it's the Dodgers. All right, some Monday leftovers. And I say leftovers, right? And I'm about to lead it off with maybe the best hitter in baseball right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hit his 22nd home run of the season. He's just not fair right now. He is on a different level. He hit it off Matt Barnes, who was one of the best closers in baseball entering that plate appearance. So uh, Vlad... Can do it against anybody right now. Tim Anderson went two for four. He is batting 341 in June with one homer and three steals. Overall in the season, he has 12 stolen bases, which puts him on pace for 34 steals over 150 games. That would represent a career high if Tim Anderson does get there. Lance Lynn turned in a quality start with eight strikeouts. The ERA still stands at 1.51 with a 0.93 whip. We had a bunch of Rays do some stuff. Brandon Lau at one for four with his 12th home run. He also have, has four steals. So he's making things happen. 12 homers, four steals, still only batting 202. If he can get the batting average up to his expected batting average, 224, if he like that range, 230, I think you can live with it based on the power and the speed that he's giving you. But 
Yeah. I mean, he might just knowing how streaky he is and how the uh, the league environment is changing all of a sudden may change in his favor. Uh, Austin Meadows hit his 15th home run of the season. Scott, did you know that Austin Meadows now has 50 RBI? When I saw this, I was like, hold on a second. 50 RBI? Where did that come from? I know he was hot, but 50? Hmm. It's crazy. He's tied for second in baseball with Rafael Devers. So. And uh, behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr., actually. Adam Wainwright turned in another quality start. He has been money at home this season. He had a 2.62 ERA at home entering the start. Uh, we already mentioned you can drop Dylan Bundy. Scott, can you drop? I was surprised that Nelson Lamette's roster rate is still this high, 88%. He has wow. not gone more than five innings in a game this year. And against the Rockies on Monday, four innings, one run, three strikeouts. I just don't think that they're going to push Denelson Lamette very much. Well, it, the pitch, the pitches have been going up. The last two starts were around 75. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the previous one, he went five innings, went four in this one. So slowly they're building him up, but he just, he hasn't been that impressive as they've been building him up, you know? So I don't know that, I don't know that it's really worth waiting him out either. At least not to the extent that he is being weighted out 88% roster that, Surprises me that that's that high, too. Carson Kelly added two hits, including his eighth home run. He is batting just 169 in 18 games since coming off the IL, so a little bit of a slow uh, bounce back here after returning for Carson Kelly. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. The For the Nationals, Brad Hand picked up his 12th save, and Scott, I noticed his slider spin rate was down 184 RPM. So, rut row. I don't know if that matters, but... I will let you guys know about it. For the Red Sox, Matt Barnes allowed that home run to Vlad. He took his third blown save, uh, but wound up with the win, actually. For Cleveland, James Karinczak entered in the bottom of the seventh with runners on first and second in a one-run game. He recorded the next four outs, and then Emmanuel Class A was used in the ninth for his tenth save. That recently, I, I was looking at it, I think it's the last four starts. Two have gone... Last four saves, excuse me. Two of them have gone to Class A. Two have gone to Karinczak. So it's kind of a mix and match for Cleveland right now. For uh, the Blue Jays, Rafael Dolis was used in the bottom of the ninth with the game tied. He wound up taking the loss. Charlie Montoyo said that Romano was available, but he was. they were saving him in case of a save situation. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz, his 13th save. For Tampa Bay, let's uh, let's throw a bunch of names in a hat, and whoever you pick out, that is who's going to get a save opportunity next for the Tampa Bay Rays. J.P. Fireisen pitched in the 6th and the 7th innings. Diego Castillo was used in the 8th to face the top of the lineup. And Pete Fairbanks was used in the ninth. He picked up his third save. He has two of the last three saves for Tampa Bay. He is 16% rostered. J.P. Fireisen does not have a save since May 31st. So, mm-hmm. is there mm-hmm. any rhyme or reason to this bullpen, Scott, or is it just purely matchups? Well, it's a shame Castillo got hurt because that just seems to have thrown a wrench into everything here. Yep. I would still say he's the number one choice, but it's annoying to see him go the eighth and Fairbanks the ninth. And I guess Fairbanks is the number two choice now. Fire Ison is is uh, is fading. I, I, didn't, I hadn't noticed this before. Fire Eisen's walked a ton of guys since joining the Rays. He's been walking. He's been giving up walks like you'd expect a pitcher to give a pits. So maybe that has something to do with it. 
For the Cardinals, Alex Reyes got his 17th save for the Rockies. Daniel Bard allowed a two-run home run to Trent Grisham, but picked up his ninth save of the season. And then for the Giants, this game just went final. Uh, they won 5-2. to two. Jake McGee got his 13th save. Tyler Rogers was used in the eighth inning. And don't really have enough time here to look up who was coming up in the lineup. I'll look it up. That's annoying. Thanks. Gosh. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. I, um, you know, that... <laughs> I felt pretty good saying, okay, Rogers is the guy now. And then they do this. So... Rodgers was facing Eduardo Escobar, Christian Walker, and Carson Kelly. Yep. He also faced Pavin Smith. Uh, and then in the ninth... That would represent the middle of the lineup, three, four, and five. Not a very good lineup. <laughs> You're uh, right. <laughs> Steven Duggar. I can't even tell who this... Oh, no, that was, that was playing center field. Okay, sorry. That, that's the job. Okay, so Nick Ahmed, David Peralta, and... Uh, uh, that looks like Ildemaro Vargas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that, I guess, I guess that tells us that Tyler Rogers was working in the higher leverage situation, though it wasn't a sp- an especially high leverage situation. Yeah. So uh, who knows? The Oakland A's game just went final as well. They won eight to five. Lou Trevino picked up his 11th save. Jake Diekman was using the eighth inning. He picked up his seventh hold. I feel pretty confident in saying Trevino is the guy for Oakland right now. He's been used. Yeah, no, I mean, just by virtue of him being the right-handed pitcher, yeah, it's probably going to be more often than Deekman, but there there will be some Deekman, I'm sure, still. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday, Scott, Andrew Heaney at the Oakland A's, Shane McClanahan at the White Sox, Mike Miner at the Tigers, Tyler Anderson at the Nationals, Jordan Montgomery at the Blue Jays, and Jay Happ at the Mariners. What did I say yesterday? I think I said Miner... Heaney, and I may have said Montgomery yesterday at the Blue Jays. Man, the Blue Jays offense is so good. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with it because I don't know what's going on with McClanahan right now. Yeah, put a little asterisk next to Jordan Montgomery, and that means basically don't use him. Uh, to stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Tarek Skubal at the Royals, Keegan Aiken at Cleveland, Griffin Canning at the A's, Cole Irvin versus the Angels, Brady Singer versus the Tigers, and Merrill Kelly at the Giants. I hate doing the singer thing over and over again. Definitely Tarek Skubal at the Royals. I'm. This will be the fourth time that Singer has faced the Tigers this season. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go, if I had to choose, I would go Canning over Singer. Canning at Oakland. I, Canning's whiff rate is, you know, pretty close to elite still. And like for him to have more consistency, but I, I think he's more talented than Singer. All right, Team Name Tuesday. These are from Griffin Winkerbell. Okay. Which, which actually marries Jesse Winker and Josh Bell, but also his manager, David Bell. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Falefa Risotto. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know you usually like the food one, Scott, so... I do. I'm, I'm tr- so... Are, are those, do those two terms go together? Maybe I'm not understanding what the, the dish is here. Falefa risotto? I don't know. Let's find out right now. Or something like that. Falafel? No. Well, yeah, I was thinking falafel and risotto. Oh, yeah, there is... Hold on a second. Falafel? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a more specific dish that we're overlooking here that would make it funnier. I, th- I don't know. I don't I, know. 
I think there's something called a falefa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I failed. Uh, these are from Jack. Stassi's mom has got it going on. Boom. Yeah. His, this is a good one. Yimmy, 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 a save after midnight. That's <laughs> <is> pretty good. <laughs> uh, go forth and mantiply. Mantiply? What? I, I think he's. I, I, I think he's a reliever on the Diamondbacks. Matt Matt Manti was a reliever a long time ago. Is there another man? Yeah, is there G- another pitcher like that? Joe Mantiply. He pitched. Okay, pitched, okay. There's a pitcher named Mantiply. Yeah. All right, that works then. I sorry, I didn't. I hadn't heard of him. Diamondbacks bullpen's pretty bad. Yeah, for, the Diamondbacks are pretty bad. Uh, the yeah. Goodrum, the Badu, and the Ugla. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Uh, if Enoa went to Nebraska, he'd be a corn Huascar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the corny that's, ones. That's a Heath. That's a Heath team name right there. One hundred percent. These are from Mark Duran Duran. Pretty standard. Okay. Sure. Hungry like the wolf. Uh, the Smiths. <laughs> I guess that could be a bunch of people. It could be a team name in any sport, right? That is. That sounds about right. Uh, this is from Jake. I've got Brian Hayes and Jazz Chisholm rostered in my dynasty league, and I think I'll have this name for years to come. He got the jazz, which yeah. I believe is a yeah. reference to a tribe called Quest. And this last one is from Jason. Dunning, Dunning, Dunning. <laughs> you, you definitely need a, a logo that 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 tells people that that's how they're supposed to say it. But I like it. And oh man, I have all these questions from Facebook. How many of the, uh, let, let's try and do a little rapid fire. See if how, how many of these we can get to Scott. Uh, what would FBT do? This was like a whole segment that I had planned, but then all this stuff happened on Monday. Uh, but we'll, we'll answer some of them here. This one's from Michael Smith. What is Trevor Bauer's fantasy trade value, which we kind of answered. Uh, and should you look to actually trade him? Bauer entering Monday was tied for 12th among starting pitchers in fantasy points per game. So you would look for, yeah. Maybe drop off a little bit, but still, you're still looking for a top 10, top 12 is starting pitcher, if you want a pitcher, that is. Right, and you know, now, I mean, with things up in the air for Glass now, I couldn't trade him for Glass now, um, but I, I plan to move him behind guys like Brandon Wolf, and I, I guess... Brandon... I guess because Giolito, because that's Scott, the guy I said I... Scott, you just said Brandon Wolf. <laughs> I did, didn't I? <laughs> Brandon Woodruff is who I meant, of course. <laughs> Brandon Wolf. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking for a few other pitchers in this range. Would you do it for Aaron Nola? Mm, I, I think I don't. I don't think I would. That's like right at the line, though. Would you do it for this? Is, I think this is a good one, Zach Wheeler. I don't. I cannot imagine the Zach Wheeler fantasy manager wants to trade him for Trevor Bauer right now. Yeah, you're probably right. That decision's probably made for you. I think I'd do it. I think I'd trade Bauer for Wheeler if the opportunity presented itself. Uh, I, mean, last, I, may re- I may regret saying that, but I think that's where I am. Last one, would you do it for his teammate, Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw oh. has his, I believe, his highest swinging strike rate since, I want to say it's 2016, which is when he was in his prime. I mean, Clay- Clayton Kershaw's in such a weird spot because... He's as reliable as any pitcher out there, but he just doesn't get the strikeouts at a rate that compares to those others at the same range. You're right that it's up this year, the strikeout rate. but 16.4 swinging strike rate, Scott, is yeah. a career high 
for Clayton Kershaw. You were talking about one of the best pitchers ever. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I would do it either. <laughs> though know. it's pretty. I don't think I'd do it though. That's, Sorry, that's close. Um, look, if you're really, if you're really worried about Trevor Bauer, I, 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 I think as long as Kershaw is on healthy on the mound, he's going to be really good. So mm-hmm. take that for what it's worth. Uh, this one's from Corey Joseph, not the point guard in the NBA. Christian Yelich or Trent Grisham, rest of season. Christian Yelich entering. Monday, in 23 games since returning from the IL, he was batting 194 with a 27% strikeout rate. Trent Grisham is now batting 290 with seven homers and seven steals on the season. He hit his seventh home run on Monday. This is close, Scott. Yelich or, or Grisham? Yelich's numbers look a lot better over his past 15, 16 games. I mean, it's still like a 250-ish batting average, but he may be climbing out of it. I just think Grisham's so high-end that why mess with it? I mean, obviously, Yelich's ceiling is much, much higher. I get that, but I think it, I think you're right to be scared of him right now. So I'll stick with Grisham. Okay. Uh, I guess if if you have Yelich and, and you have the opportunity to make that swap, then you should take it. This one's from Randy Spears, Dylan Cease, Alec Manoa, Shane McClanahan, and Jackson Kawar. Which of these have the best chance of succeeding? Which is kind of a loaded question, but let's Cease. just in general. I know I know you like him quite a bit. Cease is, appears to be on the verge of being a finished product. He's about there, and you know, if you're talking like a dynasty context, I want that. I want the finished product more than the theoretical thing, whatever it is, and. And the three we're comparing him to, I'm not sure any of them have more upside than Cease anyway. So even if you want to talk an upside case, I think it's easy. I think the the answer here is easily Cease. I still really, really like the idea of trying to trade for Shane McClanahan right now in Dynasty leagues. It's that's you know, fine, but you shouldn't use Cease to do it. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I would take I would take Cease over him. But if you're just talking about like pure whiff rate and stuff. Shane McClanahan, I think, is probably right there with C. Scott. He just has to find a way to clean it up and get to that finished product level, which Dylan Cease has approached, obviously, this season, and Shane McClanahan has not yet. But that's expected since this is his first taste, and Dylan Cease has been around for a little bit longer. So uh, I agree with you on Cease, but I think McClanahan is maybe not a close second, but he is second for me on this list. Uh, This one's from Frank Neal. Would you trade... Isaiah Kiner Falefa for Chris Paddock. Both are four dollars for the next two years. Roto five by five with three hundred dollars salary caps. Isaiah Kiner Falefa is having a great season. Two ninety four batting average, five homers, fifteen steals, and he's only twenty six years old. Chris Paddock yep. had a really good start over the weekend, but obviously the overall numbers are still not where you want them to be. ERA is over four, so. What do you think, Scott? Yep. Same price for the next two years. I actually don't think I'd do it. It being a roto league and you needing steals, you needing a lot of hitter spots filled out for you. I think I'd stick with Kiner Falefa. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> All right, that seems like a good place to uh, to end today's podcast. We do have a few other questions, so I'll save these for tomorrow. We have some fantasy justice that we need to get to as well, but we will wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye!
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.